BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey folks. So happy Lunar New Year to those that celebrate and to those that celebrated it this past weekend. So we just wanted to quickly mention that our hearts and thoughts go out to all of the victims and the people affected in this past weekend shooting in Monterey Park. Monterey Park is a city in the San Gabriel Valley that all of us here on this podcast know very well. As folks who grew up in the city of Arcadia just 15 minutes away, we often went to Monterey Park to hang out, get good Asian food, drink good boba. So to hear of such an unfortunate tragedy literally hit so close to home this past weekend was devastating. So we just wanted to send our condolences and best wishes to the Monterey Park community, our friends and family in the surrounding area who were affected by this tragedy, and the greater San Gabriel Valley Asian community as well. If you would like to donate financially to aid the Monterey Park Lunar New Year victims, there is a fund being set up by a bunch of different Asian American organizations, including Asian Americans Advancing Justice SoCal, Stop AAPI Hate, and a bunch of other Asian American organizations. So if you would like to donate to that GoFundMe, please check out gofund.me slash F eight. 04BB72. And you can donate to this collective fundraiser hosted by a bunch of these different Asian American organizations. So, yeah, we just wanted to put that out there. Again, thoughts, prayers, and condolences to all the victims in the Monterey Park shooting. Everyone, please stay safe and be kind to those around you. But, yeah, with that said, now on with the showtime. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where ya bye, insane, yata, we did it, ikimashou, let's go, because the Lakers have just reloaded, nay, reloaded, in the most pleasantly surprising and shrewdest of ways. So, okairi, and welcome to your new home, Mr. Rui Hachimura your newest Los Angeles Laker from Toyama, Japan. Konbawa, 
I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am joined by the triumphant return of my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, yoroshiku onegaishimasu. What a way. What a way to Rui turn to the podcast with the Lakers winning two improbable games over the weekend versus the Grizzlies and the Blazers, and then being rewarded at the tail end of that with Rui Hachimura. Alan, how are you feeling? And welcome back to the show. Thanks, dude. I'm feeling great. I just drove past the uh, little plug here, Terasaki Brokan in Little Tokyo. Maybe Rui Hachimura is going to make an appearance there someday. Um, how fitting would that be? So, yes. uh, yeah, dude, um, I, I feel freaking good. We were just chatting a little bit before we got this thing started. And I was like, this is like the boost that we needed desperately for what feels like, you know, five years now. Um, yeah, we, we absolutely needed this lift. So I'm, I'm stoked. I'm super excited and set, you know, the, the obvious bias aside, you know, being Japanese, me being Japanese American, um, being super excited for this. Um, we'll get into it, but from a basketball point of view, this makes way too much sense. So, yeah, mm-hmm. can't wait. Yeah, too much sense. And Alan, around this time last year, almost to the date, we were talking about this same Mr. Rui Lewis. I think he called himself, he changed <laughs> his Twitter name, Mr. Rui Lewis Hachimura. I don't, I don't know why, where that comes from. Uh, I guess maybe it's a new Hollywood thing he's trying out. But we were talking about this same Mr. Rui Lewis Hachimura as a potential Galaxy brain trade candidate for the Lakers in any THT outgoing trade last January. I am proud to say, though it did not involve THT, that... Alan, I feel like we spoke this into existence when we talked about Rui last season. And back then we were thinking, you know, there's no way this is going to happen, but just putting this out into the universe. And now here he is in the purple and gold, a place that he called home back when he was in Gonzaga and he played at Staples Center at the time. Did you read that or did you see that tweet? That's super awesome. I did hear about that. Yeah. So he like manifested it and spoke it into existence uh, a few years ago as well. Yeah, and then we double manifested it, and now here we are. So quick question before we dive deeper into what Rui means for this basketball team, what it means off the court with all of our JA connections and whatnot, but what was your initial reaction when you heard the news, and how did you hear the news? I'm guessing you were at work in Little Tokyo when that happened. So so actually, uh, and maybe there's like some poeticness to this um it was super windy in la um over the weekend so our power was out in our building (laughs) um Mm. monday morning down in little tokyo so i was kind of in limbo not knowing if i was gonna work remotely or not uh so i was like i was kind of working from home waiting to see if i should come in and then around like 10 a.m you know news dropped got flooded with text messages and whatnot and then um don't tell my boss wasn't really working remotely anymore. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> power came on around noon. So it gave me a couple hours to just kind of like, you know, dick around a little bit um, and get super excited. So the, uh, the power outage could not have come at a better time for me to be distracted. Very nice. Yeah. For me, I actually had a very late start to my day and morning. So I literally woke up to the news at around like 10 AM. It was the very first thing I saw pop up onto my phone as I woke up and, 
This is the most pleasantly surprised I've been with a Lakers acquisition in a while. Because, you know, the Pat Bev and the Russell Westbrook deals were more like, when they came up, I was like, they were more head scratchers into downright disappointed concern from me. I was like, uh, I don't know how to feel about this. Whereas when I saw the Rui news, I was like, that is exactly what we've been waiting for. You know, that's what I've been clamoring for when we've been talking about trying to find a fringe margin sort of trade for a flyer in a young prospect that you may have the chance to build with. And frankly, I see this as Rob Palenka making it up to us specifically, Alan, for passing on Utah Watanabe this offseason, who they could have had for free. <laughs> so, yes, I was very excited, giggling on my phone Monday morning, trying not to wake my girlfriend up right next to me. <laughs> Just And I spent an hour on, on, on my phone in bed, perusing through the Twitter timeline, perusing through Rui Hachimura videos, and just honestly getting lit. Uh, about the whole acquisition. It's been and then, a while since we've said lit together. <laughs> it's been a while since we've said lit. And, you know, me and my girlfriend had Din Tai Fung to celebrate that night. Happy Lunar New Year to everyone. It's not because of Rui Hachimura, but, you know, we'll just couple everything together in that sense. Um, with that said, what are your thoughts on the trade in general, Alan? And from like an asset valuation standpoint, because so the Lakers traded Kendrick Nunn, and three seconds, the one of those seconds is their own in 2029, and then two of those seconds are actually from the Russell Westbrook trade, the seconds that we got from Washington. So that would be the 2023rd second from Chicago and the 2028 second that we got from Washington. Um, that'll either be owed to Orlando or Washington. Regardless, um, sorry, 2028, either our second round pick or Orlando's second round pick will go to Washington, the lesser of the two. Um, We won't have any second round picks in 2028. Sorry if that's confusing. Essentially, LA is giving the Wizards back the two seconds they gifted us in the Russ trade, plus our own 2029 second and Kendrick Nunn. Um, What are your thoughts in in that swapping in general? For an expiring Rui Hachimura, who the Lakers will have qualifying offer restricted free agency rights on this upcoming summer. They've already stated that they intend to re-sign him, which is great news. Although, obviously, if someone big happens to emerge on the market, they can just renounce him and let him walk. But for now, it sounds like they are pretty committed to maybe having this guy be part of their core moving forward, which is very exciting to hear about. Um, I think on the outset, obviously, Rui just gives us more additional functional and practical size that we so desperately need every time this team gets out-rebounded on the boards and on the glass. But well, yeah, what are your thoughts on swapping Kendrick Nunn these three seconds for Rui Hachimura, and did you think something like this would have been possible? I did not think something like this would have been possible. Um, I'm glad that Kendrick Nunn you know, got healthy and has had a handful of decent games. Not that Washington's going anywhere, you know. Um, but if Kendrick Nunn's not playing at all, you know, we're not going to be able to trade him. So considering the fact that he missed all of last year, I'm glad that we were able to, uh, you know, make some good out of that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just the fact that now we have one less guard, like a small guard, <laughs> and we've added uh, a six foot eight, 230 pound athlete um, mm-hmm. who can shoot. And, you know, we'll talk about the basketball stuff too, but um this is like so much better than you could have hoped for. You know, um, if you were to just 
ask somebody like, what do the Lakers need right now? Just to, like describe them um, from a physical standpoint and in their game. Like, I think you'd pretty much be describing Rui Hachimura. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was shocked uh, that we got him. And then as far as um, swapping, you know, those three picks, I mean, yeah, whatever. Um, it's <laughs> funny that like, I don't, I don't freaking care. We've been talking about how like, this is, we need to be valuing this time. Obviously it's like, this is LeBron's window and he's about to break the scoring record. People aren't really talking about that much because the Lakers have been pretty much irrelevant, even though they're only like two games out of a playoff spot or whatever. Um, but it's like, yeah, we're, it just feels like we're wasting a lot of time. And you and I even met up, you know, last week in person. And I was telling you how it's not that I'm apathetic. Like I'm watching every game. Um, I'm invested and all that stuff, but I'm not like being very critical. <laughs> I haven't mm-hmm. been critical recently. Cause I'm like, well, it is what it is. You know, um, if, if they're not going to, and by they, I mean the front office, um, like, look like they're making moves and why should I get super worked up over it? Uh, so now this kind of flips things. I'm like, Oh, this team is interesting again. And mm-hmm. now I'm going to be much more emotionally uh, going to have more highs and lows, I, I think because of it. Um, and, and the other thing that you mentioned, you know, is that we, we could resign him, you know, he could be a part of our future going forward, which is another topic we've discussed a lot is like, okay, we're not really building towards anything. It's all these one-year deals. Um, while this team is way more interesting and fun and like likable than last year's team, like they're not going to be around for long. So why even get attached to it? Uh, that's another reason why it's hard to even be emotionally attached uh, to this current roster. But um, yeah, if, if Rui's going to be like a part of our, our future, um, then naturally there's going to be um, some more attachment to it. Yeah, no, regardless of what happens with our ceiling this season, right? It's like win or lose, if we make the playoffs, if we go far, it's like we have something to analyze and look forward to that potentially could carry into next season. I think that was kind of all we were looking for to stop this cycle of constant rotating in and out renegade players who it doesn't matter if they pop, you know, because can you even retain them past this season? Um, So... I totally agree with you. I think we traded a small guard in Kendrick Nunn who was struggling to find his place in the rotation. Luckily for him, he finally turned a corner in these past few weeks and was finally producing, but he kind of was only producing because we had several other more productive and mainstay rotation guards in Reeves and Lonnie out, right? So what's going to happen when those guys come back? So to address our severe guard glut by upgrading in size with a tweener forward who's a legit 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan, he's stocky, he's athletic, he's got a silky smooth mid-range game. I mean, it's a no-brainer. He's a former 2019 lotto pick, the number nine, the number ninth pick of the draft, right as he's about to roll off of his rookie scale deal and he becomes a restricted free agent. This is the best type of flyer to take because Rui also has actually shown more than flashes you know he's been a starter in this league he's averaged like 13.6 rebounds he had a 44 percent three-point shooting percentage last year on low volume but he hit 1.3 a game so there are actually tangible things you can hold on to with regards to Rui Hachimura's game that goes past just oh he's shown some flashes so for me when it comes to the front office you know we've hammered Rob enough on this podcast 
kudos to him. The front office finally did something, and it's and it's actually an objectively smart flyer move with substance. Minimal value went out. These are second round picks that we can honestly buy <laughs> during the draft. Um, and this is the first trade I feel like, maybe even including the Anthony Davis trade, context considered, where Rob has hands down objectively won. Like I'm not even I'm not sure what we're losing here. You know what I mean? Um, nothing. <laughs> n- nothing. <laughs> no. Not nothing. Apparently, Kendrick. <laughs> nothing. Nice. So I mean, we will give Rob his due. He's finally listening to the podcast for our ideas. Ideas Thanks, we've Rob. been talking about. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Ideas we've been talking about for months. Rob, the Lakers Legacy Podcast is free anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yuta Watanabe off season coming next, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that what surprised me too, Alan, is that he chose Rui Hachimura over the obvious clutch client in Cam Reddish. And I think it was the right move because, yes, while Cam Reddish is the more legit wing player, and while he has shown better flashes of shooting from the perimeter and defense, I think overall Rui has been more consistent in flashing more on paper and on the court uh, from a production standpoint. And... And even as it pertains to while Rui Hachimura's acquisition may likely cement Russell Westbrook staying as a Laker, I think I'm finally at peace with it because, like you mentioned, I can balance out any bad annoyance juju from Russ this season and maybe even coming seasons with the fact that Rui Hachimura is a legit young piece that I can sort of hone all of my positive energy into, you know? And this is a guy we can build around and groom. He's only 24 years old. Regardless of what happens this season, it won't be a waste unless we renounce Rui Hachimura and go for a big name star. But um, it won't be a waste because we can develop Rui now and we can invest in him as part of the future. So are you, I mean, so between Cam Reddish and and Rui, did you have, I, I know you have a preference because of all of the obvious subjective reasons why, but like, on paper, what do you think about going with Rui instead of a Cam Reddish? Yeah, um, I know the first thing I looked up because I, I figured, you know, Hachimuro isn't represented by Clutch. Like we would definitely know it, if he were. But it was one of the first things I did. I was like, who is his like agency? You know, where does he belong to? Um, and, you know, we've heard things about various agents not wanting to deal with Rob for this and that reason. So, uh, I was curious and it was like Wasserman and something. I, I don't know the firm, but um, yeah, I was like, okay, that's, that's where, you know, he's coming from and there's no drama there. And it's kind of like a side note, but like the fact that that's one of my first thoughts with the transaction is who is his agent? Yep. I feel like there's something kind of gross about that. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's really unfortunate that uh, that is such a huge variable. And of course, like, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that you or I really don't know, but what we, you know, have seen a clear pattern of is this whole clutch thing. Um, so yeah, it was refreshing to like not get a clutch guy. Um, nothing against some of the other good clutch guys, but in terms of him compared to Cam Reddish, had we gotten Cam Reddish, um, I agree with you. Like his have been more like his track record has consisted of flashes, which are like sporadic things, right? Whereas Rui is like steady. Yeah. It's like stable flashes, <laughs> just like a, a nice beam. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Consistent beam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it isn't like so hot and cold and you can't really look at his stats this year. Like 
someone, one of our friends, I won't say who it was, uh, texted me. It was like, yeah, he's only averaging like 13 and five, though. And I'm like, okay, but like Kyle Kuzma's emergence and all that's kind of pushed him out. Come back from injury. He hasn't really gotten the opportunity to show what he can do. Um, so you have to look at like the big picture in terms of what he has done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, you're getting a guy who came out of Gonzaga. Uh, we know that Gonzaga players, uh, when they hit right, <laughs> are um, really fundamentally sound. Um, they have a good reputation and things like that. Um, you know, he went deep in the tournament a few times, of course, and that's when I, I started to uh, become infatuated <laughs> with the dude. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that I prefer this even beyond the fact that he's Japanese. Um, I prefer Hachimura over Reddish. Yeah, I agree with you. And I agree with what Rob said when he had his intro presser with Rui before tonight's game. We're recording this before the Clippers game. But this is a great chance for Rob and the organization and Phil Handy and Darvin Ham to be ahead of the curve for once. You know what I mean? We're getting him like a half season earlier. We can integrate him now, see what the future holds this summer. But it's just a shrewd and smart move overall outside of all of the ancillary reasons of why to do this deal with regards to, I mean, you gain the whole country of Japan. If they weren't already Lakers and Kobe Bryant fans, they definitely are now, you know, the Jersey sales, et cetera, et cetera. But with that said, let's take it to break. And when we return, let's talk about just Rui Hachimura's fit on this Lakers team and what we like about his game, what we've seen and what we think could translate positively for this team. So we will catch you guys after the turn. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. We know you guys are lit about the new Rui Hachimura acquisition. We are too. Please join us in our litness by thumb tapping away on your Apple podcast app or your Spotify app. Find the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Give us five stars on either of those apps. Spotify is probably the easiest app that you can do this with. All you have to do is look us up on Spotify. Check out that five-star dial at the top of our Lakers Legacy podcast page and hit the five-star button. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, with that said, ikimasho. Let's get on with the rest of the show. All right, so we are back. I have some quick Rui Hachimura stats for you. So according to Kirk Goldsberry on Twitter, Rui Hachimura has made 85 of 206 catch-and-shoot threes over his last two seasons. That is a 41.3% catch-and-shoot three percentage. For reference, no Lakers this year have made 40% of their catch-and-shoot threes this season. So Rui Hachimura in the last two years, 41.3% on catch-and-shoot threes. Granted, Rui is shooting at a lower volume from three-point land, but I think what you can glean from those stats are he's clearly showing some rising potential in the three-point shooting department, especially when you imagine him getting passes from LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's going to be catch and shoot. Um, Last year in 42 games, Rui shot a blistering 44.7% from three, hitting 1.3 a game, which is a really solid sample size, actually. This year, through 30 games, he's only hitting 33.7% from three, but he is still hitting one a game. And I think he has had a bit of a banged-up season this year, missing a couple weeks during November. So he's still rounding into form, right? Now, mid-range-wise, which is Rui's bread and butter, from 10 and 16 feet out, Rui is shooting 53%, 31 of 58 this season. From 16 feet out to the three-point line, he is shooting 46%, 23 of 50. So clearly, he is a mid-range maven. He is a mid-range maestro. Rui's best games this season include 
a 30-point game versus Orlando last weekend where he hit three of five from three. A 30-point... Po- <laughs> Sincerely yes. signed Allen's fancy basketball team. Uh, insincerely, um, Jonathan's basket- fancy basketball team, who I beat. Yes, uh, I played Allen in fantasy basketball last week, and I had to bear the brunt of a 30-point Rui Hachimura Saturday night. And then the next night, I had to witness Thomas Bryant go 4 of 4 from 3 for like 32 points, and I inevitably lost 4 to 5 to Allen Riley's fantasy basketball team. My Thanks trash-ass to- ninth-place team with <laughs> an injured Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns. Exactly, but Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant killed me last week, and now they're both Lakers, so you guys can thank me for that. So yeah, Rui's best games this season include that 30-point game versus Orlando where he hit 3 of 5 from 3, another 30-point game versus Phoenix in December where he hit 11 of 13 from the field. He only hit missed two shots. And then a 26-point game versus Milwaukee, where he hit 11 of 18 from the field and another 3 of 5 from 3. So those are his best games in this short season through 30 games. Now, before we get into the uh, basketball of it all and his game, Alan, I wanted to talk to you about Rui Hachimura from the fan perspective and the off-court Japanese-slash-cultural ties that you hinted at at the start of this episode, because L.A., is getting more international and adding a Japanese-born player in a city with the second-largest Japanese-American community in the United States outside of Hawaii. That is what Los Angeles is all about, and I love it on so many levels. As you mentioned, you're Japanese-American. Tommy's wife is Japanese-American. His new son, Miles Kenji Alexander, is Japanese-American. I grew up at a Japanese-American church. Shout out Evergreen. You now work at the Japanese American Cultural Center in Little Tokyo, and I have no doubt we'll get some Rui sightings in Little Tokyo sometime this year. Maybe he'll be at the Aratani Theater for all of the Obon Festival stuff. So, <laughs> and I could definitely see a Rui slash Japangelist collaboration. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. I mean, oh. there's just so much to love. And then as for Rui himself, him feeling more at home, him feeling closer to home, him having access to more of his people, culture, and food him being a Laker fan growing up, I, he has to be beside himself. And I think we've already seen clips of him, you know, just ecstatic to be a Laker. And coming from Washington, D.C., I mean, that has to be such a huge culture shock. Granted, he did grow up in like a very small town in Japan, so maybe not that much, but it's a homecoming of sorts for Rui Hachimura. And I think just, you know, as Asian Americans, as Japanese Americans, I mean, it's it's just another thing to sort of rally behind that we can sort of, be more invested in in a positive way. So your thoughts on the off-court perspective, cultural perspective of it all. For sure, man. I mean, I wore a bunch of like Laker-themed Japangelist gear to work today. It's like, ah, whatever. It's not casual Friday. It's Tuesday, but I'm still going to rock this because I'm hyped about, you know, Hachimura being here. Um, But yeah, I, I think that, like, I was at a networking event last night, right? And there's just, like, this mixer and a bunch of people there, Laker fans. And all we were talking about <laughs> was uh, the sign, the trade, you know? Um, so there was just, like, a buzz <laughs> in this in this bar in Little Tokyo yesterday um, that, you know, if we had acquired somebody else, it probably wasn't going to be like that. So you could already kind of feel like us Laker fans are already united, but... Um, you know, my, my Japanese American brothers and sisters were like super pumped up yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like the opportunities, you know, for him to just learn about this community. Uh, I don't know how much like he knows about little Tokyo and Los Angeles. There's only 
three like Japan towns left in the entire United States, right? There used to be like 30 something pre-war and uh, there's only three now. So it's like, it's a dwindling population. And um, the fact that it's like 10 minutes away from crypto.com arena, um, I, I really hope some of the small businesses, uh, you know, reach out to him, uh, let him know that he needs to come roll through and uh, yeah, we can definitely make him feel at home. Like you said, so uh, super yeah. exciting. Yeah, dude, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, Alan and I pounded New Year mochi at the top of the year. And I feel like us pounding that mochi at that Japanese American event, Alan, we made this. We pounded for a prosperous new year and this is what it yielded. Yeah, we made Rui happen right there. Granted, I was pounding that mochi with the thought of Rob Palinka's face being right there. But you know what? It all matches up in the end somehow. <laughs> Thank you, Rob Palinka. Thank you, Rui Hachimura. Okay, on to the basketball side of things, Alan. On the court, what do you think Rui provides this team? And when it comes to the tape that you've seen of him, what intrigues you about his game? Yeah, so I mean, you, know, you talked about his shooting, obviously, and uh, the types of looks that he's going to get uh, with LeBron, with Anthony Davis. Um, in Washington, I mean, that team, it's, it's so hard to even like tell who's playing or whatever, but he's like more of a top-ish option for them offensively, right? Like pretty much Brad Beal, Kuz, and then like Hachimura, they're going to rely on him to score in Washington because they don't have a ton of depth. Porzingis is there, but off the bench, he is their he's their main bench guy. You know what I mean? So. Good call. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I, I clearly follow the Wizards like really, really closely. Um, but here, I mean, you're just a support dude, like straight up. You know, we're not like depending on you um, to do a ton, and that can really put him at ease in kind of a natural position, like you mentioned, catch and shoot. I mean, that's perfect. He can create for himself off the dribble, you know, which is really great to have, but we're not going to necessarily need him to do that. Um, So yeah, it's going to provide us a huge boost, whether that's coming off the bench. Um, I don't know if there's a world in which he starts. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do, I guess, with like, are we going to continue to start Pat Bev and Dennis Schroeder? you know, and then have Lonnie Walker at three, et cetera, or do you then shift some things around a little bit, but it gives you those options and that versatility. Um, and then defensively, um, you know, like we said, he's 230 pounds. He's got a long wingspan. <clears throat> he's very strong. Um, he may not be like the most fleet of foot when it comes to, um, you know, being able to switch onto like smaller guards and things like that. But, just in terms of having somebody else who can guard another really strong, you know, dominant wing. Uh, so you don't have to rely on LeBron to do it all the time. Um, mm-hmm. You can have some switchability between LeBron, AD, and uh, Hachimura. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do on the defensive end. Um, too bad he's not playing tonight against the Clippers. It's a little bit too soon, but it would have been fun, you know, to see him guard Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and that type of thing. But we do have Boston coming up on Saturday. Uh, so that's going to be really fun, um, especially yeah. if AD is back as well. Yeah, and he also has that Washington Wizards synergy with Russell Westbrook, Troy Brown Jr., <laughs> Troy Brown Jr. Thomas Bryant, you know, Bryant. so yeah, it's going to be fun to see all those guys link up. And, you know, early reports say that the Lakers have him slated to be a starter once he gets settled in, so that would mean, I presume, he would be the four. LeBron would shift back to the three, 
and AD at the five, who AD might be back the next game. So this is all coming up aces for us, you know, like knock on wood, cross our fingers, prosperous new year, mochi pound, let's go. Um, (laughs) But no, Rui Hachimura, I've been watching a little bit more tape since the acquisition. And bro, this dude is a professional, all caps, professional mid-range jump shooter. He knows how to get to his spots in a very calculated and methodical manner. And, you know, coming out of the draft, there were two comps for Rui Hachimura. They were both ridiculous, but you can kind of see the flashes. One of those comps was was Giannis. (laughs) Ridiculous, right? Um, And then the other comp was Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard. But when you see how he gets to his spots in the mid-range... You see the flashes of Kawhi because he can hit that very simple one dribble pull up J from every spot on the court and he's not deterred even if there's a defender there. He also loves to do this like one hop hop step gain some contact. He likes to do this one hop step move where he gains the contact, gives the defender a little forearm shiver and then he'll fade back a little to hit that sweet jumper of his. At times, he kind of looks slow and plodding when he's getting to his spots, and maybe it's because he's very stocky and sturdily built, but I actually think that's a positive for him because it gives him really good balance, and he has really good body control whenever he gets into the paint, which is why whenever he goes up for that jump shot, he's always able to square himself up. You know, it's actually very impressive. Now, other times when he's out on the perimeter, and especially when he's in transition, if he has the ball in his hands, He can also look pretty fluid and sleek. It's almost like, you know, pseudo Kyle Kuzma or Tobias Harris when he's running in transition or he's allowed to take his man off the dribble from the three-point line. So he almost has these two sides of him that kind of look very different, right? Because in the mid-range, he looks almost like a, more of like a tweener power forward, like a LaMarcus Aldridge, Carlos Boozer type. But then when you see him create a little bit off the dribble or if you see him moving around on the perimeter, you see this sort of Kyle Kuzma, Tobias Harris, like more of a wing tweener type, you know? He's got a little bit of a boost of speed, kind of a quick first step when, like you said, takes guys off the dribble. No, it's kind of alarming, like unsuspecting, right? All of a sudden he'll throw down a sledgehammer dunk with his seven foot two wingspan that you didn't see coming because the rest of his pace and his game was very slow mannered and steady right i think steady is a good word to use mm, yeah. with rui hachimura so for for me he's very interesting because he's almost this meat and potatoes sort of tweener forward who will sometimes flash you with some sriracha sauce on that meat and potatoes <laughs> randomly you know what i mean um and i know he's not right now a prolific three-point shooting spacer although that small sample size from last year the 1.33 is made on 44.73 shows you great progress um but again him being able to space out on the baseline those baseline three-point shots is going to be key for him and money whenever lebron james kicks out to him my one concern in the mid-range though is i i hope that our spacing still looks good for him and that it's not too mucked up too mucked up for him in there for him to get to the spots he typically likes to get to to fire off some clean mid-range jump shots but regardless I think in the half court he should really help us out and then obviously in transition he'll run the floor well use his athleticism that synergy that he has with Russell Westbrook on those leak outs Um, so I'm very excited on the versatility he provides us and then obviously just the functional length and size right is huge Um, defensively I think he's going to need work Um, On the perimeter, foot speed-wise, as you mentioned, um, it can be a problem. He can sort of get on his back skates and get blown by pretty easily. 
I think rebounding wise too, I think he can be a little bit, I, I think he can learn to be more of a physical presence down there than he has been. He seems a little bit soft. And my, my worst fear is that he might just be a slightly better Thomas Bryant on the defensive end, which isn't great, obviously. Um, but I think, well, one, the big difference is Thomas Bryant has had an ACL injury and, you know, Rui Hachimura hasn't had an injury that significant yet, knock on wood. And so I think he still has most, most of his legs and athleticism that should help him hone in more on the defensive end. And while I don't think he's a 3 and D wing type stopper in terms of, I don't think he'll be able to hang with the more slithery ball handling wings of the league, like the Jason Tatums and Jalen Browns of the world, for example. But I think if he's patrolling the paint more as a power forward, and if he's put in a position where he can use his strong physique to be a deterrent, I think that's where he can excel. So for example, if he's guarding a Giannis post-up or even a Kawhi post-up, and he can feel that contact from the other player, I think then he can leverage his size and his length to actually be solid in stopping or being a deterrent to that wing or tweener forward. You know what I mean? So um, it's out in space and on the perimeter where I think he has problems because all of a sudden he has to scramble and contain guards or more fluid wings. I don't think that's necessarily his calling. Although on this roster, he can certainly pinch hit because of our dearth in size in that department in general. But yeah, I think if we can have him patrolling the paint a little bit more with AD, I've, I think he'll find more success. Um, but before we end this podcast, Alan, I do have a Rui Hachimura aspirational comp to throw out your way. So before I give my my comp, um, do you have any guys or archetypes that you would like to see Rui sort of find himself filling if you can think of other guys in the league. So I know a lot of fans, for example, have been wanting PJ Washington from the Charlotte Hornets. And he would have been great because he's shown more three-point shooting acumen than Rui has. But Rui is a very nice consolation prize to PJ Washington. And I think he would be a he would do a good job of approximating that PJ Washington type role, especially if he grows more into his three-point shot. But can you think of any other players before I go that sort of you'd want to see um, Rui Hachimura aspire to, especially on this team? Oof, the comp question. Oh, boy. I'm like, Sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Um, it's so funny, though, because I'm only thinking of, like, Hall of Famers, you know? I'm like, ah, you know, like Scotty Pippen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, shoot. I mean... I think everything's going to be qualified as like poor man's <laughs> version yeah. of so-and-so, you know? Um, and it's going to be like multifaceted too. Like, Oh, offensively, kind of like you said, kind of like quiet Leonard. Like he is really crafty and he is strategic and um, very intentional about how mm-hmm. he gets to his spots. Like, um, yeah, he can just get there on the floor if he needs to. Um, is he going to be as, you know, as efficient and automatic and all that kind of stuff is quiet. Like, no, probably not. But um, knowing that he's got that in his bag, you, you can see um, how that could be utilized, you know, in our offensive schemes. Um, and then from, uh, I, <laughs> I'm not going to have too many good answers to be completely honest with you. Okay. So I'll, I'll help you out. So this is not, this is not the aspirational comp, but before my lead up to that, He's almost like, this is a strange fusion, but 
He's almost like Carlos Boozer trying to morph into a Markeith Morris or Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's like, he's like an in-between morph. You know, he's he's got one foot in the Carlos Boozer era and also one foot in the, oh, I'm kind of becoming this new-aged tweener forward like Markeith Morris and Kyle Kuzma. Ideally, he becomes like a Markeith Morris for us, right? If you're looking for Lakers references of recent past, because then that means... He's not only a, a mid-range shooter, but he can space it out to the three, and he also gets some of that, you know, Markeith Morris grit toughness defensively as well, right? Um, and then if you're looking at his mid-range jump shot, I've, I can see like a poorer man, shorter version of LaMarcus Aldridge with some shades of Tobias Harris as well, uh, when he can flash some of that fluidity I was talking about. But when it comes to my aspirational comp for Rui Hachimura Allen, there is a player that Darvin Ham has familiarity working with very recently, who I think would be the perfect poster child for Rui to model as a high-end aspirational comp. Can you guess who that player is? Giannis? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here, okay, here it is. It's not not that high-end. It's Bobby Portis. I think he's also on your fantasy team. Oh, okay. He is on my fantasy team. I freaking love Bobby Portis. So... If Rui Hachimura can look at what Bobby Portis has done in his career and how Bobby Portis has progressed, particularly in shooting from the three-point line, from three-point land, man, that would be the perfect sort of mold for Rui to fit. And the fact that Darvin Ham just worked with Bobby Portis and saw his development as this six-man-of-the-year type player, I can only imagine what he's going to do and what Phil Handy is going to do with Rui Hachimura, you know? They can teach this guy to be more steadfast defensively, be as tough as Bobby Portis, learn how to shoot and get to his spots on the perimeter better, and just be that ultimate utility forward off the bench. And man, if he can even just be like 75% of what Bobby Portis has become as a shooter, as a defender, as a, like I said, versatile forward, then we've hit the jackpot. You know, we gave up three seconds to get this guy and we'll be able to retain him for, I don't know, 10 to $12 million starting next season, hopefully. So yeah, what do you think about Rui Hachimura assuming that Bobby Portis role for Darvin Ham, who just had him last year? Yeah, I really like that. Um, I, I think that if there's something that you really want him to aspire to be, like you said, someone who's really tough, like Bobby Portis. And, you know, we're, we also don't want to get some of the intangible, like personality stuff confused with it. Like Bobby Portis, you know, he's got that enforcer <laughs> kind of Charles Oakley. Uh, don't mess with this dude vibe about him. And like that, mm-hmm. that's probably not going to be uh, Rui Hachimura. But um, yeah, in terms of um, being that like hard nosed, uh, kind of jack of all trades ish type of guy. Like he's would be like a staff stat sheet filler. Um, I think that would be, that'd be amazing. Um, and in terms of like development that you've seen Bobby Portis experience in the last you know few years, like he's really come on strong. Um, yeah. I, I think that that could be, that could be a really good comp for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I cheated a little bit mm-hmm. and I just started looking up Rui Hachimura comps. Um, so, you know, actually this one did pop into my head, but I didn't say it. And I feel like we've compared other players to this guy as well. And we would get like kind of excited. So we talked about being crafty. We talked about getting your spots. We talked about being creative. It might not be as awkward as this player, but Anton Jameson, kind of had that game in him right where he could get to the rim and he'd have these like kind of weird flip shots and hell like how do you get that one up 
I'm not saying that Rui Hachimura's like style would be like that, mm-hmm. but just in terms of effectiveness and also like size, I, I think that's yeah. like the biggest component here. Um, I think that that could be maybe more of a stretch, not in the sense of like stretch the floor, but like, eh, like not so much, but um, that did pop into my head briefly. And then uh, that, that was bar- verified via Google. So I'll throw <laughs> that one out there as well. I, I think in terms of like what he is expected to do in the role, in terms of being that scoring punch at the forward position, I think he definitely fits the Anton Jameson mold. He's probably more of like the bulkier, sturdy enforcer type than Jameson was. But if he can get to that point of shooting the three-point shot just like Anton Jameson and Bobby Portis I mean again you're getting to this level of a tweener big who can space the floor but also help you out defensively help you out on the boards all in the same realm of like the PJ Washington's Markeith Morris's Bobby Portis's of the world right and so as, as, as we mentioned with Bobby Portis, it took him a while to get to this level. And so under the right hands, in the right circumstance and opportunity, learning from Hall of Famers like LeBron James and, you know, Anthony Davis and, you know, even Russell Westbrook was huge in his development in Washington. I think he's in the perfect spot to bloom. And it's crazy that we're going to get to see this Rui Hachimura in a purple and gold uniform and hopefully more years to come, you know, hopefully some Japanese American nights at crypto.com arena. Let's go Lakers. Let's do this. Lakers. Let's get some cultural nights. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Clippers do them like for everybody, which is awesome. Um, but I, you're not going to catch me repping any like Japanese heritage Clipper gear ever. Likewise, I don't think you would, you know, do the same for, for yourself. Exactly. So let's get it rolling. Shohei Atani to the Dodgers this, you know, coming (laughs) soon. Yuta Watanabe come on over as well. Let's do this, guys. All right. With that said, Alan, thank you for hopping on. I'm sure we'll get we'll we'll do a a more formal podcast later. Maybe hop on on. Hop on. There you go. I like the pun because Alan is Hapa half. What does Hapa stand for? Half Asian, half American. Is that like many, many definitions of it? (laughs) But what is is it an acronym, though? It's not an acronym. Uh, it has its roots in like Hawaii. Ah, gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and there's like even like controversy surrounding it as a phrase and debate as to whether people should call themselves Hapa or not. But I just did, so you know, sorry. <laughs> Regardless, you guys are learning so much on this podcast. You're learning so much Japanese, and you're gonna he- learn more Japanese as the season progresses with Rui Hachimura. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we'll have Alan on from our formal, formal podcast coming up, maybe post-trade deadline. And we'll talk about Rui Hachimura on the floor as a Laker and what he's doing uh, by that time as well. So stay tuned. We'll also have a instant reaction podcast from new father Tommy Alexander upcoming this week as well. We'll have to split this up because everybody's schedules are busy, but we just were so excited to talk about Rui. So stay tuned for that as well. With that said, Alan, thanks for hopping on, and I will catch you later. The next time we talk, we have some Rui Hachimura Lakers highlights to dissect. Ha, <laughs> ikimashou. Let's go. Ikimashou. All right, I'll catch you later, dude. All right, arigatou gozaimashita. Bet 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.